We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. It is Thursday, December 8th. 2022 and we have a jam-packed episode for you today as there is a ton of news in the Oregon football community. I'm your host Max Torres. That's my guy Spencer McLaughlin. He's the host of Locked on Ducks and Locked on Pac-12. Glad to have him back for another episode and today we're going to be breaking down Will Stein, Oregon's new offensive coordinator, was uh, officially announced on Wednesday. So we're going to break that down as well as another tidbit. But before we get into that, Spencer, how you doing, man? We're doing well. It is a busy, busy time. And, uh, you know, all, all this stuff flying around and news and recruits and the offensive coordinator hire, of course, which we'll get into. And uh, I think getting lost in the shuffle is Oregon, I think, has an intriguing bowl game matchup with, uh, with North Carolina and a chance to put together back-to-back 10-win seasons. I think for the first time since... 2013-14 and then 14-15. I think that was the last time the Ducks had back-to-back 10-win campaigns if if memory serves. So, you know, that's still a good thing. I know it's not the bowl game that, that we were hoping for, certainly, but um, I, I'm a sucker for bowl season because I love college football, and then you look up and it's gone, and you're like, well, I want more college football. So I enjoy, I enjoy it every, every single year. Ducks a big favorite right now. Yeah, that's a that's going to be an interesting matchup, a fun one to watch, especially as we continue to track, you know, opt outs with the NFL draft and transfer portal news. So there's a, there's no shortage of things to talk about right now. Um, and anytime you can win, you have an opportunity to win 10 games, um, especially with the first year head coach. I think that's something that you'll take. So the season definitely didn't go the way Oregon fans expected or hoped definitely towards the end. But, you know, there's there's it's not all hope is lost. Before we get into the, the Stein uh, news, uh, if you guys are joining us here live on YouTube, youtube.com slash Oregon Football Max Taurus, appreciate you guys stopping by to talk some duck football. Do me a favor, hit that like button. Um, hit that like button for me and subscribe to the channel and uh, drop a comment. Let me know how you're feeling about this, uh, this hire for me. Um, and then same goes if you guys are watching on replay. But before we get into Stein, there's a little bit of recruiting news that I want to get into this morning. Um, that is five-star edge rusher Mateo Uyunglele has announced a top three of Oregon, USC, and Ohio State, which is a significant update because obviously Oregon's still in the running here, but Georgia is not listed as a finalist. Um, they kind of tried to make a little bit of a late push. Mateo actually reached out to them is what he told me. 
Um, my feel on this is that it's still a USC Ohio State kind of deal. Um, but you know, Oregon landing in these finalists is is definitely not uh, not going to hurt them. Yeah, it's it's where you'd like to be. You know, have a chance to to get a guy of this caliber, especially when you look at what Oregon was particularly weak at this year. And that was the defensive line getting after quarterbacks consistently. And, you know, I think the secondary played better than a lot of people give them credit for. Certainly there were moments, you know, we don't need to relive the Washington game uh, specifically where they, they really, really struggled. But your secondary can only do so much if you don't have a pass rush. You have got to pressure the quarterback so he can't get through three progressions so that he's, you know, feeling the heat a little, heat a little can't set his feet. You know, there's, there's a myriad of things you've got to be able to do defensively, and one of them is rushing the passer because that allows your secondary to, to have a better chance to succeed. So it, it would be a great get. It, it does look like USC is kind of in the lead. I don't know if you knew this, Max. There's actually a, a, a musical tie to to usc mateo is a uh, a music creator i don't remember i don't know if he actually does the the, the rapping on his songs i think the producer more, yeah he's he's the producer um so that that's a big interest of his and so I, usc is going to lend more towards uh that particular career path for him or you know hobby whatever you want to call it and i, I don't think that's something you could overlook it's certainly not the only reason right usc just played in the pac-12 championship game lincoln riley and that defense they're going to have opportunities to play. You'd have that at Oregon as well, but uh, it, it's not as if, you know, Lincoln Riley is a small name in, in the college football world. He's, he's a pretty big one. So uh, there, there's definitely a chance it, we should not be, be ruling that out. But I, I think Oregon is, I think they're closer to second from, from what I've gathered. Um, but it does look like USC is kind of solidly in, in first place right now. Yeah, last thing on that, and then we'll get to the hire, is last time I talked to Mateo was when he told me about Georgia kind of hopping into the picture here. Um, they were working on an official visit to, to get out there. Um, I'm not actually sure if they ended up taking that or not over this past weekend, but I believe that's when it would have landed. Um, and then I asked him as far as, you know, any chance he'll get back out to Eugene or any other schools, and he was saying, well, not right now, but if I were to take any of those, it would kind of come together last minute. And, you know, that lends itself to, well, what school can he go to, you know, pretty last minute? Oh, well, USC is right in his backyard. Uh, and he was on uh, on campus for that USC Notre Dame game. So we'll continue tracking that recruitment. He's going to be an early signee, um, early enrollee guy wherever he ends up. But, yeah, I'm kind of in the same field there, Spencer. I feel like it's a USC-Ohio State deal right now. But there's still some time, and we'll see what happens. Uh, no doubt that Oregon's going to be stopping by for some in-home visits. I would think the coaches have been all over the country, but let's get into the big news of the day. Um, it looks like a, a couple people are asking maybe if you could. Yeah, take I just, I just, I just, cran- I just cranked it up. I saw see me on the big screens comment, and my guy okay. Eddie the Hog is saying it sounds a little bit better. So, so if that, yeah, if that, if that sounds better, let let me know, and we can uh, continue to tweak. It is not not set in stone how loud the audio is and it's all confusing and yada 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 and whatnot but uh if that if that's good enough just let us know if you want me to go up a little more let me know okay hopefully hopefully that's uh that's a little bit better appreciate you adjusting on the fly spencer but let's get into this news man uh, a little over a week ago you know oregon fans they found themselves in a pretty rough spot right you lose uh, your second rivalry game of the year to oregon state in absolutely embarrassing fashion collapse in the second half and then I remember after I finished watching that game, I was heading out to Sierra Canyon for a high school football game. And then the the news broke that Kenny Dillingham was going to be going to Arizona State. And uh, Duck fans found themselves, you know, looking for a, a new offensive coordinator. 
questions swirling around Dante Moore's commitment, seeing that Kenny Dillingham was the primary recruiter there as the quarterback's coach and OC. But now here we are. Will Stein comes over from UTSA to be the new offensive coordinator for the Ducks uh, under Dan Lanning. He's only 33, but he has a really solid track record, got elevated to the co-offensive coordinator and quarterback's role this past year, put up a lot of numbers for UTSA with the Roadrunners, uh, leading them to a Conference USA championship over North Texas. Um, just my initial thoughts. I, I really like the hire. Um, I, I think that uh, the term splash hire gets thrown around quite a bit in uh, the era of the coaching carousel. But I thought that this was the the a hire that he needed to make in terms of a guy that was innovative, young, uh, willing to adjust to the game, uh, has a fresh look at, at uh, you know offensive schemes. And um, I think another thing with the youth definitely comes the the recruiting stuff. So I think that um, that those are some of the kind of early points that I want to get to. But I like the hire. I think that um, uh, it's definitely an impressive one. And the other thing I was going to add real quick is that when we were talking to Dan on Sunday about the search, he was saying, you know, I made some hires last year and and some people were questioning those, but I think the results speak for themselves. So that was kind of cool to see him, you know, speak with his chest a little bit like, hey, I can I can do this hire thing you know, even though I'm a first year head coach. So we have to see what the early returns are going to look like, but, uh, but I'm feeling it. I like it. Yeah. I, I think it reminds you a lot of Kenny Dillingham. Like, like he's a really young guy. He's relatively inexperienced though. The results are, you know, impressive in some sense. And he, he hadn't been a play caller before. I think that's the biggest difference between, you know, evaluating the Dillingham hire at the time and evaluating Will Stein here is that, We've seen him for just one season, but still one, what he's like as a play caller. We, we've seen him call plays, be situational, be, you know, the guy who has to make the adjustments with, with the play calls and everything like that. And again, let me know if I'm I'm still too quiet, everybody, but I have no idea what's going on. I don't pretend to understand technology at all. It, it sounds just, better on my end. Okay, well, that's that's encouraging. But so I, I think with with Will Stein, you, you have an impressive track record. Is it a lengthy one? No, it, it's not. And so I, I think Dan Lanning is making a very concerted effort here to keep with what he knows works. And that's a young, up and coming offensive mind that he feels, you know, could potentially be a, a head ca- a head coach one day. And, and the thing I want to point out on that front is Louisville just hired Jeff Brom and Big that's hire. where, and yeah. And, and that is where Will Stein played his college football. He was a quarterback at Louisville. So that would have been the most obvious one of like, well, that's the one that's probably going to come and offer him. So they just hired a head coach unless he flames out and goes one and done. There's no obvious place where, you know, he, he, he'd potentially get interest as, as a head coach. And I, I know that duck fans get frustrated with that sort of stuff. I do at some level, but on the other hand, I would rather have a coordinator that people want than a coordinator that people don't want. Like perfect example this year for the ducks, you had Kenny Dillingham, you had Tosh Lupoy. Kenny Dillingham got a lot of interest as a head coach from Arizona state ends up taking the do- job. Tosh Lupoy got none. Which one were you more happy with this season? Pretty easy question, right? The the answer is very clearly Kenny Dillingham. So I, I like that he's going this route because I think he's looking at it and saying, 
I know that this kind of worked before hiring a young up and comer rather than a veteran presence, rather, rather than a guy who, you know, would come in with a, with a bunch of experience. Like I, I wouldn't have been opposed to a, a Dan Mullen, a Tom Herman, somebody like that with a lot of experience in coaching reps in, in college football. But this is what Lanning clearly wants to do. And I think there are advantages from a recruiting standpoint when when you hire a guy like this and bring him from the G5 level. I think there are fair questions to ask, too. But I think he's looking at it and saying, we want someone who's got who's been brought up in the new age of college football offense and is running modern concepts and understands them isn't, you know, learning them on the fly or having to adapt to them, but rather it's the only thing that he really knows. And, you know, Stein is a, a little bit more pass heavy than what we saw this year, but we'll see how much landing, you know, kind of influences their, their run pass balance once he starts calling plays. Yeah. And, and I think just to, to stay on what you were saying a little bit about the recruiting, it's, it's such an interesting deal, especially when you pick up a guy from the group of five level, right? Because you don't see a lot of group of five schools, you know, signing five stars left and right, or, you know, pulling a lot of weight on the recruiting trail, but there's a couple of things to look at with this, right? I think regardless of who Oregon hired as their offensive coordinator, they're going to be able to go into homes and sell Oregon. And to a degree, Oregon is one of those brands in college football that sells itself. Does that mean that I can go and recruit for Oregon and, and land all these five stars? No, that's not what I'm saying, but Oregon have some is a confidence brand. in yourself, Maxwell, <laughs> Oregon, Oregon is a brand that sells itself to a certain degree. You know, you get yourself into some conversations when Oregon, you know, enters the picture. And then there's the youth, only 33 years old. A lot of times people associate that youth with, you know, being a go-getter and uh, being relentless on the recruiting trail. So I'm sure that that was a conversation that that Dan Lanning had with Will Stein when he was, uh, you know, looking at maybe bringing him on board here. So I think that that's one of my first priorities for sure. If I'm Will Stein is getting on the phone with Dante Moore or maybe trying to get out to Detroit for another end home, if, if they're able to, to kind of say, Hey, here's what my kind of vision is for the offense. This is where I see you kind of fitting in and, uh, you know, keeping that role. So I think on, on that front um, with the, with the recruiting, um, you know, I, I don't want to beat the drum too much there, but that is what I like to cover. Obviously you have some, stability now ahead of the early signing period which starts on December 21st so the timing of this hire is definitely crucial with uh, with regard to that and then uh, also the transfer portal uh, you can kind of see how some of these pieces are going to be moving Oregon's running back room is going to be pretty revamped with Sean Dollars and Byron Carbwell entering the portal uh, and then Dante Dowdell is slated to come in in the 23 class so uh, that's another thing that you have to look at and then the Ducks are making some offers in the transfer portal you know Dorian Singer was a big one out of Arizona so um and it's nice that Will Stein is here so that they can really get started now on figuring out what next year's roster is going to look like because Landing said that he isn't going to expect that new hire, which is now Will Stein, to coach in the Holiday Bowl. And, and you knew that this hire had to be coming right around this time because of the, the recruiting component. But also, you know, Dillingham was announced to us officially as Arizona State's next head coach you know, in the, what was it, waning hours after the, the Oregon game because he was flying from Eugene down to down to Phoenix and getting over to Tempe to be introduced the, the, the following day as the Sun Devils' new head coach. But Dan Lanning did not find out hours after the Oregon game that Dillingham was leaving. Like, they, they've had a relationship going back several years when they've been on uh, staffs together. They, of course, worked together this season. Like, I, I find it hard to believe that Lanning just was kept in the dark completely by Kenny Dillingham with regards to, Hey, 
I'm interviewing for this job. Looks like I'm going to get it. And after the season, you know, unless we get to the championship game or whatever, I'm going to take it. So I, I think this is the guy that Lanning wanted and you shouldn't have any concern about like, well, it was, was it kind of rush? Was it this or that? Like, this has been in the works for for weeks, I'm sure. And, you know, Stein was still able to have success at at UTSA, even as he was interviewing and talking to Lanning about about this job and whatnot. But you, you did need to have a name there because when you're on the recruiting trail, you can get by, I, I feel like, with with a name in theory and be like, yeah, this is the guy we're going to bring up. But at some point, you know, Will Stein has to be able to pick up the phone, call Dante Moore and say, hey, this is. You know, what we do offensively, this is a vision for you, I'm, you know, and, and start to build that relationship there. Because though Lanning is doing a lot, he's not an offensive coach, he's not the play caller, so you have to be able to, to start to formulate that relationship. So I think the timing of it all makes sense, and you know, I, I am intrigued to see what uh, the offense looks like without Dillingham calling the plays in, in the bowl game. I, I would imagine it'll probably be Junior Adams and Drew Maringer, the the tight ends coach, they'll probably share or one of them will have the the play calling duties. Adams would probably be more likely. He's called plays in in the past before, but I I, I like the hire overall. Timing of it makes sense, and I, I think the biggest question is recruiting, Max, because anytime you bring someone from the G5 level, it's it's different. You know, you're kind of accustomed, even at a, a good program like UTSA, that's become really successful. They're in the top 25 conference USA champions this year in 11 win season. They've won 10 games in a row. Like they have had, I think they were 12 and 0 at one point last year, and then they lost in the conference championship game, but they, they won it this year. They, they played Texas tight for about three quarters or so on the road. Like it, it's become a good program there. And I think it's still fair to ask, you know, you recruit one way, going after certain caliber of players against other caliber of schools that are similar when you're at UTSA. But what's it like when you make that jump? What What is it like when you start recruiting against Lincoln Riley for the same offensive recruit? What's it like when you start recruiting against Deion Sanders, against Kalen DeBoer at Washington, or, you, you know, any of the other offensive coaches, Chip Kelly, but that's probably more transfer portal because he's not big on the high school recruiting trail. So I, I think that's a legitimate question to ask. It's not a, a negative or a knock. It's just that that's a question I have. There's no indication one way or the other that it's going to be great or that it's going to be terrible. I think what we do know is we'll probably see him continue to use his ties to the state of Texas to recruit players out of there because there's like an unlimited amount of good players coming out of the state of Texas. And Oregon and Dan Lanning have you know really made that more of a focus on the recruiting trail, whereas Cristobal and company were you know very heavy in Florida. I think Lanning and and Lupoy and everyone are are going more to Texas. So so on that front, it, it makes sense as well. We're gonna go ahead and take a quick break here. For those of you listening to us on the audio platforms, and we'll talk more about Will Stein's hire, recruiting impact, and what the offense might look like. Don't go anywhere. we got more for you after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back to the Duck's Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's Spencer McLaughlin. And we're breaking down the Will Stein hire as Oregon's new offensive coordinator, the last recruiting note I wanted to get into, Spencer, uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit before the break. Um, Oregon could find themselves, I think, regardless of most of what happens, they could find themselves going after probably at least one more quarterback. We still got to see what happens with Bo Nix's decision. We got to make sure that uh, we see Dante Moore sign uh, his national letter of intent. So there's still some question marks up in the air, some TBDs. But with Will Stein's ties to the state of Texas, that could pay tremendous dividends on the recruiting trail. Um, we've already seen Oregon kind of linked to Hudson Card, the Texas transfer quarterback who is from Lake Travis High School, where um, where Stein spent some time on that coaching staff. But I think that to your point, I think his roots in the state of Texas are going to be huge. Uh, you got Matt, uh, Matt Pallage, who uh, was is on staff and, and he has Texas ties as well. It's going to be pretty difficult to get really, really, uh, you know, set up in the state of Florida, I think, compared to Texas, just because of that natural distance hurdle. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I really do like how this shapes up to help Oregon get back into the Lone Star State in even an even bigger way. We know they're still going after David Hicks, uh, Ashton Porter, Damian Sanford, a bunch of guys out of the Lone Star State. So that's another big benefit, I think, that's really going to help Oregon moving forward. Yeah, and, and it makes a lot of sense because – you're going to want to recruit if you're Oregon in the state of California. Of course, they've done that. I think Cristobal really brought that into the forefront about how possible that is. And we've seen the caliber of players that you can get from down there. Kayvon Thibodeau, most notably among them. But the three biggest recruiting states, and you know this, Max, being out there on the trail all the time in the country, are California, Texas, and Florida. And I think if you're going to be a, a program that recruits at a high level, the level that Oregon needs to in order to continue co to contend for conference championships and hopefully get back to the, the college football playoff. I don't think you can have just one of those three states where you, you have a heavy presence. And, and there's just so many players. There are a lot of schools in Texas, too. But Oregon 
is a, a really premier brand on, on the recruiting front. And I think we've seen that over over the last several years. They're knocking on the door of another top 10 uh, recruiting class here in Dan Lanning's first cycle as the head coach. And the, the competition from a recruiting standpoint is going to continue to heat up in, in California with, with USC and Lincoln Riley there that, you know, isn't going away, even when they go to the Big Ten, right? And, and then I think what you'll see is once USC and UCLA are Big Ten programs, then the other Big Ten schools might feel a greater sense of urgency to to come and recruit in the Los Angeles area because you have you know more visibility for for those Big Ten schools. But I, I think it remains important for Oregon to be there, and I think getting into Texas is a great place to be because high school football, you know, like everything, it's just bigger in Texas, right? It's 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 just bigger. It just means more there, and so you can get some really high level players, and we've seen that, right? Johnny Bowens is. Uh, from Texas, so is Tyler Turner. There, there are, I think, a couple more players in in this recruiting cycle that are that are from the the, the Lone Star State for the Ducks. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's not like you want to bring in someone who can go re- recruit somewhere like Arizona more or um, you know Utah or anything like that. I think Oregon's got enough of a foothold or ability to pull recruits from there to where you you do want to kind of double down on your ability to recruit out of the state of Texas. Let's look at this comment from Nick Flowers. Nick says, I love the hire. Binge watched a bunch of UTSA highlights, and man, they like to go fast. Also, huge stats for their quarterback and wideouts. Yeah, that was one of the things uh, I really liked when I saw you know some some little clips going around the, the interwebs of Will Stein saying he likes to take eight deep shots per game, two per quarter, and then kind of mixing that tempo. You know, it's not always going at that breakneck speed, but learning – how to kind of manage the tempo and, and when to really push push ahead. And that was one of the things I liked from Dillingham. I feel like it was very noticeable this year when Oregon was trying to go tempo and when they were just trying to take the air out of the ball, like in that 10-minute drive against Washington that should have won them the game. But really like the kind of overall offensive philosophy, some of the early tidbits we're seeing from Will Stein, especially taking deep shots because that was something that we did not see enough of in the past couple of seasons under Mario Cristobal, Kenny Dillingham switched that up real quick and look at what it did for Oregon's offense. Yeah. And it's encouraging to hear him say, you know, before he comes to Oregon, that that's a part of his offensive philosophy. I think we saw that this year with the numbers he's able to put up through, through the air. But I think the biggest question will be what does Oregon's rushing attack look like with Will Stein as the offensive coordinator. And this is a balance that, you know, always comes into play when you have, uh, a head coach who's not the play caller and in fact comes from the other side of the ball and, and then your offensive coordinator is how much influence is Lanning going to have because I, I wonder you know is he going to just hand the reins over to Stein entirely and you know Oregon's offense next year will look different or is he going to say hey these are some formational packages that we ran and had success with this year we want to work these in we we want to run the ball in this way we want to do this this way or that that way or anything like that. And I'm curious to see what, what it looks like, you know, our first taste of it won't be the bowl game. It'll be the spring game to, to get an understanding of what, what that really means for the ducks offense going forward and how it will look and also how successful it will be. I think he'll have a lot of personnel to, to have success with, but I do think Oregon still needs to make some roster changes. They probably need, a wide receiver to, I would love Dorian Singer. I, I would be thrilled. I was shocked. He even went in the portal. I was really surprised. Arizona is an upward trajectory program. 
He's been an integral part of their offense all season long. He's second team all Pac-12, along with our guy Troy Franklin. Jaden Delore is a good quarterback. Jed Fish looks like a good coach. Their recruiting's getting better. I was really surprised at that, and I think that's one Oregon should be looking to capitalize on. Because if you put Singer out there with, you know, the thing that Stein likes to do, I think more than what we saw this year, is put four receivers on the field and, and just go 10 personnel, one back, no tight end. So if you think about Oregon's four, like if you were going to go a four-wide look right now as Oregon's offense currently stands with Dante Thornton gone, Max, who, who are those guys? Troy Franklin, Chris, Chris. Hudson. Then you get a little bit, a little bit murky yeah, and then, there. And then, yeah, you, you don't know. And that's, you know, where I'm interested to see how this evolves. Because formationally this year, the receivers did get more involved in the offense. But it was Dante Thornton, along with Chase Cota, in that number three receiver slot to go with Hudson and, and Troy Franklin. And then occasionally you saw like a Josh Delgado but not really as often because we had tight ends on the field a, a lot. And, and there's plenty of 11 personnel in his offensive philosophy, at least what he showed at UTSA as well. But a guy like Dorian Singer, I think, could really supplement what, what Stein wants to do unless, you know, is Kyler Casper ready to make that, that year two jump and become a part of the offense? What does Jurion Dickey do? I think that's probably a guy that you'd say is the, the number three receiver. But I, I still think there's a couple of personnel questions there and, if they get that sorted out, I think Stein is, is certainly set up for success. And, you know, I, I don't know who his quarterback is going to be. Looks like it might be Bo Nix, but that has not been officially announced. Yeah, we'll have to see. I really hope that Will Stein keeps the uh, tight end with a big role because that room is just loaded with talent uh, at Oregon. And I think we just kind of started to get a little bit of a glimpse of, um, you know, how they're able to really impact the offense when you can get creative um, you know, there were multiple like pump fakes on little swing routes when, when, you know, guys were wide open, like Terrence Ferguson, Terrence Ferguson was leading the nation in receiving touchdowns. I want to say for a little bit, at least among tight ends. So and then he it kind of peered off. It did. Yeah, it definitely did. I was did. curious as to why that was. Um, well, we got a little bit of breaking news with DJ Johnson announcing his uh, NFL draft declaration. So we'll hit on that maybe on the back end of the show. Uh, if that's cool with you, Spencer. Um, that's kind of what I was just, uh, working on here. Well, he was out of eligibility anyway, and basically is suspended for the bowl game. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't, they didn't come out and say anything outright, at least that, that I saw. Um, but yeah, so that's just a, a little update that we got today was that, uh, he's officially declaring for the uh, NFL draft. Another interesting comment, this one from Nick, he, we love it when you guys give us the comments and the questions. Nick says, I really hope he makes an adjustment to his philosophy a bit and ditches the pistol while running more than he has in the past. I think for Oregon, especially with their offensive line and just the the talent that they're going to have in the backfield, I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, if they're going to still be a run heavy team. I think seeing that it was a, that balanced approach from Dillingham, I think was really kind of the sweet spot that they needed to go for. Um, but we also saw some under center work, which is something that we haven't seen at Oregon in forever. Um, I know there's a member of the Oregon media that always asks about, uh, you know, QB sneaks shout out to my guy, Jerry Thompson. Uh, so I'm sure he was loving it. Um, but yeah, I think that maybe seeing what he does formationally could be interesting. I've kind of been a little bit of a mixed bag with the pistol, uh, or just, you know, always being out of the shotgun. Um, but I think that uh, I think Stein's definitely going to be able to cook something up really nice with uh, the talent that he's got to work with at Oregon. 
I'm with my guy, Nick P. I, I'm not a fan of the pistol. You know, when I saw that watching the UTSA offense as much as I could, I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't, I don't love that. There are some good components, and it's it wasn't the primary way that they ran the football. You know, when, when Oregon fans like myself got turned off of the pistol, it was, you know, kind of the, the base running look that, that Cristobal wanted to do because that's what they had done for a long time at Alabama. It's very reliant on your offensive line to make and hold blocks for a long time. You can hit big plays, but it's very boom or bust. You know, everything is kind of two two yards or less or eight yards or more in, in the pistol. There, there's not a ton of, of in between. Uh, I, I've seen, I'm not saying it never happens, but it's just kind of the way that it's set up because it's such a long developing play and it gives the defense time to react. He did add a wrinkle to it that Joe Moore had added as well, which is that, you know, he'd run a tight end or a receiver out into the flat and give the quarterback an option to make that read, pull it and dump it out there. And, you know, Joe Moore had ran that for a first down, gosh, 50 times during his two years with, with the Ducks. Like that play was was absolute money. You don't have to be in the pistol, though, to present that that sort of look and have that option. So, it, you know, maybe that was a head coach thing at, at UTSA. We saw a little bit of pistol early in the year with the Ducks, but then they mostly got away from it. I, I was okay with how much they used it because I think it does, you know, really sell play action. Like I think the UCLA and BYU games, we we took a couple of shots off of, off of pistol running looks. So it, as long as it's not overly abundant, like okay and whatnot, but I definitely don't want that to be the primary way they run the football. I don't think it will be because Lanning has to have watched what they did this year on the ground and say – yeah, that's that's what we're that's what we're striving for, and so they're they're going to continue with with what works. Um, but again, I I'm already excited for next season because like I want to, you know, we're going to talk about this stuff for for the coming months. But there's not going to be a game for like nine months. I mean, there'll be a bowl game, of course, but it won't be with Will Stein there. The spring game will will be the biggest. The biggest kind of inside look that that we get as, as outsiders to to understand what the offense will will look like, and and I think the spring game is a great indication of that because last year was Kenny Dillingham. We saw a downfield shot on the first play, and we we're all going, well, you know, a little bit of a coverage bust, but at least we're trying to take a downfield shot. And then lo and behold, look what happened this season. We took downfield shots. We had a couple of coverage busts. So I, I think it's you know an, an exciting thing to to look for and. Um, but that's 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 a ways that's a ways out at this point in time. The other thing that I really like about Will Stein, and you don't have to go far to find it, you just have to go over to his uh, Twitter at Coach Will Stein. Hashtag feed the studs. That is awesome. That fires me up because if you'll remember Kenny Dillingham when he was laying out his off his offensive philosophy, it was you know a scheme. Uh, and I think Landing said it too. It's going to be a scheme that playmakers are going to want to come play in at Oregon. This is when you're thinking about your Jurion Dickey, your Dante Dowdell, your Ashton Kozar, guys like that that are already in the fold. If someone's in the groove, keep feeding them. We saw that with breakout games this year from, from Troy Franklin. Uh, you could maybe even talk about Dante Thornton against uh, Utah. Uh, I think he had a really big game, and I don't know if Oregon wins that game without him. Some of the big catches he made down the stretch. So I think getting these guys involved is is just a huge aspect, a huge dimension of the offense that that you want to go, that you really want. And I think it's it kind of goes without saying that you would want a, a playmaker 
I'm sorry, an offensive coordinator that's going to get your best players involved. But, you know, I think it's it's something that we've seen in the past where maybe guys didn't get the ball enough. Look at Troy Franklin last year uh, in 2021. That dude was getting the ball on like screens and like five yard slants. And then you get a new offensive coordinator in there who's willing to take the top off the, the defense. And you see him getting like 50 plus yard receptions against BYU that just electrifies Otson. I think that might be one of my top moments from the entire season. I wasn't at that BYU game. But just like watching on replay, I could watch it all day. Just the rah from the from Odson. I'm like, that is something that was missing for so long. So I think that Stein's going to help just keep some of that continuity between what Dillingham found that was working and then adding some of those wrinkles of his own to make it unique. Yeah, and earlier I was talking about the the similarities between Stein and Dillingham, and I think that's another one. You know, Kenny laid out very clearly that you know, we're going to run a pro style offense. And that didn't mean we'd be under center looking like the 49ers and whatnot, but that it was about getting your playmakers, the ball in space and getting them into one-on-one situations and taking those shots. And I think that it really wasn't a, a big component of Oregon's offense in, in previous years, but we saw guys like Troy Franklin. I think Chris Hudson popped as well. You know, he started to come on at, at the end of 2021 was, you know, a pretty reliable target for, Anthony Brown, but then we saw this year the evolution of Chris Hudson's game, getting him involved in screen passes more. I think he did that a little as a freshman, but getting him pot passes and jet sweeps, but then also taking downfield shots. He had the big play against BYU, another big catch against, uh, or not, or was it B? I mean, I, or Washington State is the team I'm thinking of, sorry. And, and then Arizona as well. And there were a lot of things that that he did. And I think going back to that play with Franklin, that's just a, a a concept that Oregon wasn't doing in, in 2021 in terms of saying, Hey, we've got this playmaker, you know, and, and it felt kind of gratifying for, for duck fans, because you look at it and say, man, what is the point of recruiting all of this talent, these high level athletes, if you're not going to trust them to go make plays. And there were just a number of times this year where Bo Nix was trusting his offensive line, and it was set up so that Franklin had a one-on-one with either a corner or a safety, and we took shots. And what do you know? We hit those shots, and it happened time and time again. So that, that I think, was a really great thing from Oregon offensively, and you know, if they continue to do that, I think it has nothing but positive ramifications for the Ducks. Yeah, so there's, there's no shortage of offensive weapons, even though there's – it's funny. I didn't really think about it until you asked me, you know, go for a wide, who are you putting in there? And a- after you get past Franklin and, and Hudson, it's definitely a little bit of a question mark. Pro- probably Jerry on Dickey, assuming he stay, he stays committed. Like that or looks Casper. like the sort of talent. Yeah. Yeah. Casper and Ot- I mean, Casper barely played this year. So that's a, a question mark And Dickey in a way is as well, but the way his stock has continued to rise and the interest he's gotten from other schools, he definitely seems like a guy who is a week one impact you know and you know physically he's ready he doesn't need to put on weight he doesn't need to you know gain speed or or anything like that he's got really the whole package he's kind of a a Debo Samuel type he's kind of thick runs the whole route tree great hands great agility but he's strong and and powerful as well he looks like the sort of prospect and plays at a position that would allow for him to get to Eugene and start playing right away yeah, I mean, from from what I've been able to see from him in person and from the people that I've talked to, uh, you know, around that recruitment, I think he's definitely a guy that projects to be ready right away. Um, you know, one of the recent updates that I got from him is that he doesn't know he's going to be signing early. 
So it looks like it's more of a February time frame, which kind of does leave the door open for other schools. Mm, don't love um, that. Do not yeah, love de- that. It's not the it's not the best update, but you know I'm here to bring you the news regardless of of what happens. Um, Penn but State. If Dante A&M, commit if Dante commits on the 21st, I'll feel okay about it. But oh yeah, if, if he signs. Yeah, like if Dante yeah. signs, I think that's a really easy thing for Jurion to visualize and say, that's the guy who's going to throw me the ball, and Dante's really good. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, So I think, yeah, just the, the rest of this month, between now and the early signing period, we're going to get a lot more clarity on, I think, what next year's team is looking like. Um, Quarterback is obviously the biggest question mark right now, I think, on the roster. Um, but we did get another little bit of update so we can, we can, uh, end the show with this, uh, Oregon edge rusher, DJ Johnson declared for the NFL draft and, um, Oregon's defensive front is, is, uh, already projected to look quite a bit different, right? You had, uh, you have DJ with this news today, so he's not going to be back next year. You have Justin Flo hitting the portal. He didn't play a lot, didn't really carve out a significant role at Oregon. Um, but you know, he was a big name on that defense. And then you have Jackson LaDuke hit the portal, uh, Braden Buckner hit the portal, and then we don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Dorless. Uh, my kind of gut tells me that he's going to try to that he's going to try to go to the NFL. Yeah. Um, I would think that Noah would try to go to the NFL too. So Oregon's defensive front is is going to be looking a lot different. That front seven, and uh, you know DJ Johnson and Brandon Dorless, those are obviously the two top pass rushers. So you got to find some dudes and do it in a hurry. You do. And Casey Rogers, Sam Taimani, they can all come back. Jordan Riley cannot. So. You know, we'll see if those guys on the interior are back for another season. But, I mean, DJ Johnson, Brandon Dorless, easily your two best pass rushers. And your third, Noah Sewell. And this was a year in which Oregon struggled to consistently get after the passer. Like, that is such a position of need and a question mark. I could argue, Max, it's a bigger concern roster-wise than quarterback. Sure. I think I think you could 100% argue that because – Bo Nix may or may not be back, but let's say he leaves and you keep Dante more committed. There's an option. Maybe Ty Thompson, the light goes on in year three, or you can go and add a transfer. It's modern college football. That is always an option. So I look at that defensive line and say, man, what, like, what is it going to be? And then the question of, or the, the, the element of unknown with that to me is greater than the element of unknown at the quarterback. Because I, I think you can find some options in there, you know, whether it's like DJU, I'm going to talk about that on my show tomorrow, um, Hudson Card, Spencer Sanders. There are a lot of quarterbacks in the portal who are who are very capable. So uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on, on that front. But yeah, lo- losing your two best pass rushers in a year where you didn't get after the passer very well is not a great place to be on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and then just to to wrap it up to stay on your point about the the D line being a bigger kind of question mark than the quarterback position right now. Oregon kind of had, for all intents and purposes, it wasn't a perfect season, but they figured out the quarterback position this year with with, with Bo Nix, even with a guy who was in legitimate consideration or at least at the very least a dark horse for the Heisman. There were still major you know question marks or deficiencies on that defense. All of the teams that win national titles, they are diff- they're full, loaded with difference makers along that defensive line. And you could argue that that is the position that has kind of been, from a recruiting standpoint, the most underwhelming for Oregon recently. They got KT, obviously, 
But all these teams, they have multiple first-round picks along that defensive line. And that's just not where Oregon's at right now. Does that mean they don't have talent along the defensive line? No, it's just not good enough. And I think that that is a key point when I think back to that game against Georgia when Kirby Smart said, he won't say it, but Dan Laney knows we have better players than he does. And that's just facts. Like we that's all, just, we all know that we can say like, that. Like, yeah, yeah look Georgia at Jalen Carter and these other guys. Yeah. yeah Jalen Carter's a monster. I hope my Seahawks draft him this year. Cause the interior of our defensive line stinks, but you look at guys like that. And even think about the last time Oregon got to, or the only time they got to the college football playoff. Yes. You had great offensive weapons. You had a really good O line. You had the best player in program history. The offense was amazing. Look at who was on that defense though. Was it a Georgia-level defense? No, but you still need more players. You had DeForest Buckner. You had Eric Armstead. You had Troy Hill was in that secondary. Until he got hurt, you had Ifo, who was going to be an NFL player. You had Joe Walker, I believe, who made NFL rosters and played in the league. You had a lot of guys. Last time Oregon had a great defense, 2019. That secondary is all over the league. Diamador Lenore starts for the My 49ers. Niners. Javon Holland is a stud. Thomas Graham, I don't know if he plays a ton, but I know that he's good enough to make an active roster. Like, you just go up and down the board, and you say you need more guys who can play at the next level. And that defensive line was a little Kayvon Thibodeau dependent, but they were better than what the defensive line was this year. And they had a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau who could just cause havoc to get you off the field. So that's the direction that that they've got to go. And you just have to have more guys who are NFL caliber players. It doesn't have to be a Georgia. It doesn't have to be an Alabama of old, but it has to be good enough to get you stops and key spots to allow your offense to thrive. 100%. Well, I know you had to, we were supposed to get out of here around the 40 minute mark. So we'll go ahead and wrap there, Spencer. Before we do, where can people find more of you and what you got going on? At smalls underscore 55 on Twitter, as always, or at locked on ducks, which is available on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts Monday through Friday. That continues into the uh, off season, as Josh Pate would say. Uh, so that is, that is content that is going to continue to come your way. Talk plenty of football. Hopefully Oregon basketball gives me something to get excited about here soon at the moment. Eh, iffy, middling and such, but there's so much to get to with, with football. It's going to be dominating my show for the next couple months. And Max, it's great to be on with you as always. And good to see you, Duck fans. Appreciate you coming on, Spencer. You guys, make sure you tap in and lock in with Spencer. If you want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at mtorissports. You can find more of my written content covering Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting at ducksdigest.com. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus. Appreciate you guys that stopped by for the live show today. And then the biggest way you can show your support is to share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. You know how it goes over here. But that'll do it for us on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. A big thank you to Spencer for hopping on. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 